Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 183rd episode of Power Your Parenting Moms and Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. I am so excited to tell you that on October 3rd, my brand new six-week program, Dial Up the Dream Book Club, is starting. Many of y'all know that I published my second best-selling book and sequel to Dial Down the Drama, Dial Up the Dream, Make Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. And that book picks up where Dial Down the Drama stops during junior, senior year in high school, and it guides you through the early 20s until about the mid-20s. So why did I write this book? Because the brain isn't fully developed till mid-20s. When your teen turns 18 and graduates, she doesn't go poof and turn into a real adult, even though he or she are fully convinced that they are. Yes, they are legal adults, but there is still a real maturity gap, which impacts their ability to make sound and solid decisions. And yet, these are the years that they will be making decisions that can affect the rest of their life. So first off, if you have just dropped your son or daughter off at college, this book, Dial Up the Dream, is a must read for you. And you can order Dial Up the Dream wherever books are sold. See, mom, you are still needed, but you need a whole new set of skills to mother an emerging young adult. And if you're going to influence her or him, you need a healthy and open connection. You need a good relationship. I really recommend that you read Dial Up the Dream when your daughter is a junior or senior in high school so you know what to expect as you enter into these emerging young adult years. I wrote Dial Up the Dream because this is such a confusing time to be a mom. And for most of you, these can be the most worrisome years because when they are not in your home, you have even less control. Starting on October 3rd, I will launch the Dial of the Dream Book Club Plus. This is a six-week online program where moms can gather on Zoom every week from all over the world. And yes, there's more. This will be an intimate group, and I will limit it to no more than 20 moms, and it's going to fill up. So here's why I created this program. This is for moms who really want to be ready for these emerging young adult years, want to have a close relationship with their son or daughter, want to understand their role and still be able to influence and make an impact in their daughter's lives. And it's for moms who are ready to dial down their own worry so they can start to explore what's next for them. If you're interested and you'd like to get the details, you can email me at colleen at dialdownthedrama.com or sign up on my website and get on my list at Colleen O'Grady, C-O-L-L-E-E-N-O-G-R-A-D-Y.com. I have a question for you. Would you like to feel less stressed and more relaxed? Well, today's guest is going to help you find more peace in your life through taking mindful breaks throughout the day. Shonda Morales 
MSW, LCSW, is on a mission to help women play big without burning out. She is a life balance coach, therapreneur, author, and podcast host. Shonda serves on the board of Shanti Project, an education nonprofit providing evidence-based mindfulness services to children and adults. She lives in Pennsylvania with her husband and two kids, loves to play outside, endeavors to practice what she preaches, and is perennially fascinated by what makes people tick. So welcome, Shonda. Hi, Colleen. Great to be with you. It's great to be with you, too. So the first questions I ask all my guests is, are you a mom? I am a mom. I have a 20-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son, and I do have a two-year-old puppy who has just walked in the room now. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That's so perfect. You have a new book that just came out, and it's called Don't Forget to Breathe, a five-minute mindfulness for busy women, beat stress, and find calm anytime, anywhere. So I think the moms are thinking, really? (laughs) So (laughs) really, Really? so we can just uh, jump into that. But why did you write Don't Forget to Breathe? Yeah. So if it's okay, I'll just back up a little bit to talk about, this is my second book. So my first book is Breathe Mama Breathe, Five Minute Mindfulness for Busy Moms. And I think it's kind of helpful to think about the the evolution of the five minute mindfulness practice for me. So like I mentioned, my daughter, she's about to turn 21 soon, but I started meditating when she was three years old. And it was part of a program in our local hospital, a mindfulness-based stress reduction program. And the homework is to meditate for a half an hour every day. Even though I had, you know, a lot happening as we all do as busy moms. I very much am a pleaser, was a recovering people pleaser, uh, type A perfectionist. So I did my homework as I was told, and I started meditating a half an hour every day. And very quickly, I started noticing some subtle changes. I was more patient. I was more fun, more playful, and I was actually more efficient and productive. And even though I had slowed down just a notch in my life. So I was hooked right away. So I went through training. I ended up teaching in that program, continued to meditate every day for a half an hour and use that in my therapy office as a a psychotherapist. And fast forward to the time my daughter's about to turn 10 and I'm pregnant with my son, about to have my son. And I know there's no way with a newborn, I'll be meditating for a half an hour every day. (laughs) So I wanted to keep this in my life because it was so integral to my well-being. And I came up with these five-minute practices, ways that we can bring a little bit of mindfulness into our day without having to stop and go close our eyes. And that's super important to me. It was born from this need to keep it in my life with all of these, juggling all of these responsibilities with the newborn. And it really helped me because I found myself with postpartum depression after my son was born, which completely caught me off guard because as a therapist and an experienced mom, I thought, you know, I kind of have a handle on this. (laughs) And as we know, we don't, you know, life throws us curveballs all the time. So this practice, these five minute practices really were a lifeline for me to get through that time. So, you know, now fast forward again, my son is starting to go into preschool, uh, elementary school. And I find that I have a little bit more time on my hands as we do as the phases of our life and responsibilities with kids change. And I was like, huh, what am I wanting to be drawn to? Or what am I drawn to? And it was back to kind of women's empowerment and really seeing women not using their voices, wanting to play big, but burning out. And how can I help women? And I was also, you know, these were tools that eventually became the book that I've used over the course of my two, three decades in practice. 
confidence and just for myself personally of building my confidence or calming myself down when I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed or how do I play bigger and divide that up into small actionable steps. So I'm sure we'll get into all of that. But this second book, Don't Forget to Breathe, it's about life balance because it's not just sometimes we definitely need calm. There are times where we're like, you know, I'm kind of bored and that life is feeling kind of lackluster. What now? And I found myself in that position when I had a little bit more time in my hands and the book was born of that one. It's all of these different tools that we can use to figure out what it is we need and crave and then bring that balance back into our lives. Yeah, I love it because I think moms will think, yeah, meditation is a great thing, but I don't have time. That's right. That's right. And I'm a huge proponent for the belief that we can all carve out five minutes in our day. And I'm also even more so if five feels too overwhelming, I'm okay with that. Like one minute, one minute each morning, Mm -hmm. you can do that. And you will notice that it's a radical shift in how we tend to move through our day and it will make a difference. And so I just invite everyone to experiment with that and just test it out and see how it goes. Yeah. I'm a psychotherapist also, and I am a big, big believer in this. This is really good stuff. So why is mindfulness a big deal? And how (laughs) is that different from meditation? And what are mindful breaks? Yeah, good. So let's break this down a little bit because often they're very much confused. So mindfulness is paying attention to what's happening in the moment with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. And that second part is often the piece that gets missed because we know it's being aware of what's happening in the moment. Great. But also we're trying to be as best we can, non-judgmental, kind to ourselves and, and our thoughts. So the opposite of mindfulness is automatic pilot. And we all know what that's like. We get in our car, we drive somewhere and we're like, whoa, I wasn't paying attention. I don't remember passing this or making this turn. And it's a little bit disconcerting, but we move through our lives like that a lot of the time. And in our minds, when we're on autopilot, we're in the future, we're worrying, we're what ifing or going through that to-do list, or we're in the past rehashing a conversation or a memory. And so mindfulness brings us back to that moment. So that's mindfulness. Meditation is carving out time in our day to practice the skill of mindfulness. So it's much like if I'm going to learn to swim, I can't just dive in the pool and never having done it before and expect to start, you know, breaststroking. I need to practice. And the same goes for meditation. So it's something simple as we choose a point of focus, which might be the breath because it's just easy and with us. We notice the inhale, we notice the exhale. Then we notice our mind, our attention drifts off, which it will do many times. And we just repeatedly bring it back again with that attitude of kindness and curiosity. We're building that mindfulness muscle of attention, almost like if I'm going to want to build my bicep up, I'm going to do repetitive bicep curls. The same goes for meditation. We're repeatedly coming back over and over. And then that builds that skill of mindfulness. So uh, as best we can, we're going to carve out time in our day to do that. And then mindful breaks are these pauses and reminders in the midst of our full day where we don't have to stop and go close our eyes and meditate, but we can come right back into that moment. We pull ourselves out of autopilot and we're more aware of our lives, what's happening in that moment. And the power in that is that now I have awareness. And when we're aware, we have choice. I have choice in how I want to respond, how I want to prioritize my time in how I react to the situation. And so that's why it's so powerful. That's a real helpful distinction. Good. So you also talk about 
tracking your energy. So what do you mean by that? So let me say first about awareness and mindfulness. So we talk about the triangle of awareness, which if you think, imagine a triangle, the three points of the triangle correspond to our thoughts, our body sensations, and our emotions. And they're very much uh, interconnected and impact one another very rapidly. We can talk more about that. Tracking our energy is often paying attention to our body sensations. Like how does, as I move through my day, what energizes me and energy might feel like, I mean, we can have all kinds of energy. There's like nervous energy. There's excited energy, which they often feel very similar. There is flow energy, which is, you might say sort of the ideal state we'd love to be in a lot of the time, which this, mm-hmm. it's sort of relaxed and alert at the same time. And that's kind of what we're you know, trying to move towards in our lives is we are engaged, we are alert, but we're also have this sort of calm state underneath as well. So we're paying attention to what energizes us throughout our day, what tasks, what interactions, what people we come across and what depletes our energy. And as we start to notice that we can say, okay, are there small little tweaks? And I'm all about the smallest of action steps. Like what is one shift I can make? If I start to notice, hmm, every time I come uh, come away from lunch with this person that I meet on a regular basis, I feel trained and I feel not good about myself and I feel heavy in my body. That's definitely a clue. Like maybe I want to change that relationship up in some way, or there's a task I do for my work and maybe I have some control over it. Maybe I don't. But, you know, if it's something I can give away or delegate, I do that. And if it's something I know energizes me, how do I make more time for that in my life? And that's great. Because I think without awareness, I think most of us will move through the days with stressed energy. Oh, yes. Right. We run on that low level fight or flight all the time, this kind of chronic stress that we don't recognize. It is so poignant when we go on vacation, if we're fortunate enough to do so, and you go on vacation for a week or two, and it's like the end of the week, you're like, your muscles start to finally unwind and you slow down a little bit. And you're kind of like, oh, there's a different pace of life. I forgot. (laughs) This is something, right? But if you have young kids, you're not really relaxing on vacation, but if you have teenagers, (laughs) but you know, it's that idea that we don't even, we get, we're so conditioned to it. We don't recognize it until there's almost the absence of it. And we really are relaxed. So yeah, definitely. That's so true. I mean, we forget what feeling good feels like. Right. Right. And it's, you know, and I can be guilty of this sometimes too. It's like, we, we get up, we get on that hamster wheel immediately out of bed. And then it's like, we go, go, go all day, tight, stressed, like kind of on that, like I'm time starved. There's not enough time to take a breath or anything and fall into bed and you just crash. And then, you know, you think, well, I didn't get to my self-care or anything I wanted to do for myself today tomorrow. You know, we always, we women tend to put ourselves way, way, way at the end of the priority list. And often only when everything else is checked off, which like, when does that really happen? That doesn't work like that very often. So we have to, that's why I'm so again, five minutes, like we can all figure out where we can put five minutes just for ourselves somewhere in our day and make that a top, top priority. Yeah. In my book, Dial Down the Drama, I talk about powerless parenting messages that we just pick up from the culture. Oh, yeah. And one of those is that I need to put myself last on the list. Yes. But we know that we never get through our list. So those needs never get paid attention to. Right. So along this line, so why is it so important that women carve out at least a few moments each day to care for themselves? Yeah, well, part of what we're talking about, and to me, I'm sure you've seen this as well. We find women in our practice maybe who have reached burnout or are really on the edge of burnout. And my hope is to 
teach women these tools or that they can use these tools in their lives so that we, it's proactive. It's a proactive approach. So we don't get near burnout or we start to recognize if we are, you know, and then we pull it back. And so the framework of the book is when I talk about mindful breaks, there are three types. There are breathe breaks, which are the calming and awareness breaks. There are becoming breaks, which is all about when we need some assertiveness. Let's say we have a promotion at work or something, which a project we're taking on and we we're feeling a little bit of that imposter syndrome, like, hmm, I don't have confidence here. We, we pull out a becoming break or if we need some assertiveness. And then there are balance breaks, which are pretty much what they sound like, which is when we feel like things are out of balance, how do we recalibrate that? Using knowing, recognizing with awareness, if we sit down and meditate for one minute, five minutes each morning, we have more awareness of what's going on inside me right now. Like, what are my thoughts? What are my body sensations? What emotions are here? Then we can ask, what is it I'm craving and needing? And then we can pull out an appropriate mindful break for that moment, for that time. I mean, and it totally shifts, you know, as we move through the phases of life, moment to moment or day to day too, (laughs) what life throws our way, we might need different types of breaks. You know, there are times where we really just are like feeling so overwhelmed and anxious. We are practicing calming breaks all the time. And then sometimes we're like, I was saying, we feel kind of lackluster, like I'm ready for more. I want to reach a big goal. I want to go after, I want to run a 5k or I, I want to take on this project. And then we pull out a, a becoming break. So it's all about, to me, coming back to life balance. And some people will say there's no such thing as life balance, but I believe it's all about our definition that it, to me, it's an ongoing gentle recalibration of our priorities through time and it shifts and changes. And so it's not about perfection. It's not like you get there and you're like, okay, now I figured this all out because life will show up and then, you know, twist that all around anyway. So it's how do we as best we can come back a little bit more towards balance on an ongoing basis. And it can be fun and playful and experimental. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coming back to the awareness attention, if we don't have that, then we don't even know we're burned out. Oh yeah. Right. Until we are like really like sick or whatever that is that, and, or just so resentful and Mm. irritated and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these other ways that it can show up too. Yeah. So some of the symptoms of burnout is definitely (laughs) just our emotions are just, we don't feel good. And I think resentment is a huge one for burnout. Yeah. Yeah. I find for me, when I'm at, start to, to move out of balance, I start sighing more. Like I will just find myself being like, Oh, and that's, it's no, that's so good. subtle, that's yeah, good. it's yeah. so subtle, but it's a cue. I mean, it's physiologically, my body's trying to get more oxygen because I'm not taking those deep breaths. I'm probably breathing shallowly in my chest unknowingly, but also it's like this, it has this sense of my life is sort of eh, like, I have to do this versus I get to, which is mm-hmm. how I like to live. That's a, you know, we all can start to, again, have awareness and pay attention to these subtle clues of, oh, something's up here, you know? And I talk about too, if I don't, get up in the morning and sit down and do a meditation for just a few minutes, I might pop out of bed. I get my coffee, I'm going. And I don't recognize that I have this like subtle heaviness in my chest, let's say. And if I sit down and just pay attention for a minute or two, I might notice that. But then somebody might say, well, I don't want to notice the heaviness in my chest. Like why, why would I want to know information? And part of this is learning how to make space for that to kind of be like, it's okay because human nature is such that we resist anything that's unpleasant. So if it's an unpleasant body sensation, an unpleasant emotion, a thought, we want to be like, get out of here. Uh-uh, I don't want to feel you. But if I say, ah, oh, look what's here. Can I, again, that 
kind, curious attitude and bring that to be like, huh, something's up. All right, let me just pay attention. I might not even have the answer right away, but it is something I can start to pay attention to for myself to say, something's a little off. Can I just keep an eye on that? Yeah. And a lot of times just the awareness of that helps it move from our bodies. Oh, have right. you found that? Oh yeah. It can dissolve because if, you know, we talk about this, that like in Buddhism, they talk about the first arrow, the second arrow, the first arrow is the heaviness in my chest is here. And then the second arrow that we shoot at ourselves would be like, what's wrong? Why is it here? Why can't I make this go away? I don't like this. What's wrong with me that I have this, you know, and so forth and so forth. Versus if I just say, ah, look what's here. What we know from Jill Bolte-Taylor did research that it's 90 seconds that an emotion will stick around if we allow it to just kind of dissolve. Now it's not magic. We would be like out of business as psychotherapists if we were that <laughs> magical, but you're right. It can really take the intensity away if we just bring that that attitude of acceptance and curiosity to it. So you have a framework of breathe, becoming, and balance. Can you talk about that? Well, I was talking about that with the mindful breaks. And so yes, the different yes. the awareness and the assertiveness, confidence is becoming, and then balance is about bringing our lives, you know, is the pace too quick? Am I overscheduled? And so balance, that's an interesting one in terms of, I talk about these uh, continuums and there are so many continuums that we all have in our lives. So for example, some of us are overschedulers and like are our doers and I'm on that continuum. So the other side of that is like some people who are kind of like, oh, I need to kind of need nudges and pushes to kind of get myself moving, knowing where you fall in the continuum naturally so that you can gently recalibrate your set points or natural set points by making these tiny shifts. So I know I tend to overschedule. I need to be super cautious about scheduling white space, open space in my calendar because mm -hmm. I need to protect that time and have a little bit more space. Somebody else might be like, well, I need to say, I need to reach out and make plans every week and put that on my calendar if they're an underscheduler. So same thing with like risk takers and risk averse people, knowing where you fall on that continuum and then bringing your set point gently, slowly, a little bit more towards balance on a regular basis. Yeah, I love what you're saying. A lot of times we think of work-life balance as, or ba life balance or all of that as mm -hmm. a prescription right. we need to do. And you're talking about really getting to know you. Yes. You create that or make that happen by starting to pay attention to what you need. And exactly. that may look really different from somebody else. Yes. Bingo. 100%. Yes. And, and it, you know, and my life balance is going to look completely different two years ago from what it will look like in five years, you know, when our, when our kids are older and when they're in different phases and when they need different things from us, um, it looks a lot different. You know, mm -hmm. I know when my son was three, four years old and he was in that like nonstop chattering phase, you know, when they just like, they don't take, you're like, Oh my gosh, are you going to take a breath? And I love to hear you, but like, Whoa, you know, and he's <laughs> home with me more of the time. I was just like, give me silence. And people were talking about podcasts. And I was like, who wants to listen to a podcast? I just need silence, you know? And then he goes to school and I'm like, oh yeah, now I'm ready for some podcasts here. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's so true. And I know you talk about permission in your book. Mm, yes. Women giving ourselves, this is back to what you were saying, you know, this, mm -hmm. the cultural messages, I mean, nobody's saying martyr ourselves. They're not necessarily explicitly saying go mar martyr yourselves when you become moms, but it's what we're told. You know, it's like, if you're not putting everybody else first, 
then you're doing it wrong. Um, and mm -hmm. so this is all about permission to put ourselves first sometimes and really prioritize ourselves. And again, I invite women, if they're feeling skeptical about this, and number one, how do I do it? Number two, that feels so selfish and uncomfortable. Test it out. It is, you know, anything new often feels very uncomfortable at first, but what you will find is if you go out and you've, we've heard this advice, but really make time for yourself for 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever you can do, you're going to come back to your family and you're going to feel rejuvenated and happy and not resentful and all of these great things. They'll feel it. So mm -hmm. it is permission to let go of some of that guilt. I talk to moms about um, being good enough is great, you know, mm -hmm. that we have to let go of some of that perfectionism. And I am totally guilty with my poor daughter. When she was born, I was like, I was so wanting to do this everything the right way, you know, and, and, and I have compassion for us for that because it's, it's the one thing in our lives that matters the absolute most to us is being good moms. And, um, and it's so hard to feel like we're not. So we try so hard. So our good enough is really quite amazing is what I see over and over again with, with moms. Yeah. And I think some moms might go, I can't put myself first. That doesn't feel right. But what I would say to that is you can't ignore that you exist. Oh, yeah. You know, we can be so focused on all our kids' needs and work needs and spouses' needs and everybody else's that we just, I, I call it a mother machine. Mm, yes. And that does not work. And right. what I say and in, in dial down the drama too, big, huge powerless parenting message is, is it's selfish to pay attention to myself but it's not at all. This is what we bring to others. And one of my favorite quotes is our kids don't need martyrs. They need models. Uh, exactly. And that's what you were just saying. That is what I was thinking about us being role models. You know, we want our kids to grow up and have this great, full, wonderful, engaged life while they're parenting. And, you know, and parenting brings so much, I mean, intensity and depth and, you know, breadth to our lives for sure. Yet it's, it doesn't, it should not, I think be all of it. And that's what you're saying too. And it's, you know, how do, and I'm sure you see too, working with women who once their kids have grown and flown for the most part, and then they're like, oh my gosh, what, who am I? What do I like? I don't know. I am like this shell. I don't know who I am without taking care of my kids. Right. Yeah. So how do you think mindfulness helps you as a mom? Oh, goodness. <laughs> so many ways. I mean, I guess what I would say, number one is what's coming to mind is these intense moments, you know, when we have tweens, teens, ah, and, uh, you know, I'm just like, oh, taking a breath, just remembering and thinking about it. You know, my daughter's off in college, but those moments where they can push our buttons, like nobody else can. And, um, yes, yes, yes. yes. And, and in my experience too, I, my kids are very different, but my daughter kind of more an intense person than my son, quite easygoing. So, and we're quite alike. So she would really push my buttons and I teach this and I write books about this and I still will, you know, would have times of losing it, of course. And how we can, number one, recognize when we're headed in that direction. So the more awareness, again, it's easiest to recognize body sensations out of any points of those triangle that I talked about. Body sensations are most accessible. So when I start to notice for me, my jaw clenches a little bit or my back tightens up a little bit, my shoulders go up. It's like, mm -hmm, 
pay attention here and I'm heading into fight or flight, there's tension and this is probably not going to go well. So that's my cue to pause and take a couple of those deep breaths that we're practicing, hopefully when we're calm-ish, because we always say it's really hard to practice crisis meditation only in a crisis. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a body memory. You're like, oh yeah, I can take deep breaths. And you remember because you've been doing it every morning. Remember to take those deep breaths, calm down, fight or flight. We know that front part of our brain, prefrontal cortex can, you know, work more efficiently and I can choose my response. And so there's that piece. So hopefully we're diverting disasters and, you know, intense conflict more often. And likewise, if we have lost it and, um, you know, feel like, oh my gosh, that sort of potential wash of shame, not getting stuck in the shame about the fact that that went so horribly and you feel like a terrible mom and keeping it about the behavior. You know, I, that I really acted in a way that I'm not proud in that moment. I, I should have acted differently, go back, make that repair, forgive ourselves, see where we went off course. How do we, re, you know, not repeat that in the future as best we can, and then let it go and not get stuck in that shame. So so many pieces, you know, along the way, trying to prevent, if we, if we can't prevent it, if we've, you know, succumbed to it, how do we not get stuck there and, you know, move on a little bit more quickly? Yeah. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. <laughs> As you were saying about how it benefits for motherhood. So that's, you know, that's the piece of dealing with those unpleasant moments, big or little, but also mindfulness can help us notice and savor more of life's beautiful moments. Mm. Um, and I talk about that a lot. So it's, you know, and often it's these ordinary everyday moments that are the most poignant that we remember. It's like, you know, in the car driving somewhere and you have this great conversation or sitting in bed, reading a book or something at nighttime, or, you know, just going in to tuck them in or something like that. And you have this nice conversation, whatever that is, those are the moments we remember. And if we're in our heads, you know, kind of ruminating, re remembering something or thinking our to-do list, it's gone. We don't notice it. It's like we're half paying attention or we can really be there and we notice it. We savor it. We connect more. Yes, I completely agree. So that the meditation, mindfulness, mindful breaks really help us be present Yes, to the gifts that we have right now. Mm. My second book, Dial Up the Dream, which is really for moms from 17 on to 25. I asked my group, my community, about what do they miss about their daughters, you know, mm. after they've been gone for a year. Mm. Yes. I'm right and, there. I'm right there. Yeah. And I got so many responses and they were beautiful oh, and they're, I bet. they're exactly what you said. Yeah. You know, I, I miss like laying on the bed and, you know, watching a video. I miss her music in the next room. You know, I miss those spontaneous times that we run out and get coffee. Mm. I miss the perfume. I miss the noise. <laughs> so it's those ordinary moments that, you don't want to miss them when they're happening and look back and then kind of regret that. You want to be present to them. As best we can. Yeah. Which as is best also, we can. Yeah. Which is not, never going to be all the time. Of course, none of us yes. can do that. But yeah, the more we can catch, you know, and it just, it does, you know, it is that that whole cliche of the days are, are long and the years are short, especially when the kids are little, but or we're going through tough times with our kids but it is, it does go fast. We know that. And that's annoying to hear sometimes when you're in the middle of it, but it's true. So it's how do you for those nice, beautiful moments? Yeah. 
So I'm wondering if you could kind of give an example of how moms could use mindful breaks throughout the day and talk about three to five of your favorite breaks. Sure, sure. So a couple of breathe breaks, which are those calming and awareness, something very simple. This is good for insomnia that none of us have ever struggled from, right? <laughs> insomnia or in that in that moment in the middle of your day when you just need to calm down, you need a kind of a shot of, of calm. It's very simply, we inhale through our nose to the count of four. We hold our breath to the count of seven. And then we slowly breathe out through our mouths to the count of eight, like with our mouths like you're blowing like on a dandelion kind of thing. So it's in for four through your nose, hold your breath for seven and out through your mouth for eight. It's that ratio that really calms down fight or flight. So you just go through, you know, a couple of cycles of that if you're feeling a little overwhelmed or at that time when you're having trouble sleeping. And that's a really quick shot um, to calm ourselves down. People love a coffee mindful break. So you can do this with your beverage of choice in the morning, tea, coffee, whatever <laughs> And I'm is. drinking my coffee. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so we think about often, in, you know, in the morning, we're just like, slugging back that coffee. We don't even know that we've had it at all unless we look and see like, oh my gosh, my cup, my mug is empty because we're multitasking. So instead you can do this for 20 seconds or stretch it out for 10 minutes, which is just feel the warmth of the mug. You can bring that to your nose and smell the aroma and then take that first sip, hold it in your mouth, feel the warmth, the taste, and then slowly feel the warmth moving down your throat into your stomach. Um, and it's a really different way of drinking your cup of coffee. I mean, you're having it anyway, but you're aware of it. And so, you know, and then people can also, you can also like tack on little other pieces of it. It can be like, this is what I do in the morning for a minute. I have, I take a coffee mindful break for a minute. And then I think about three things I'm grateful for, or I think about an intention for the day. You know, so it's sort of like, this can be a grounding mindful break where it's like, and make it a habit every day. And I talk about that. So how do we put these in our day? If, if you don't mind, I'll put that in here. Mm -hmm. I always say, pick one mindful break that you want to start with and practice that every day for a week or two. And then that starts to become a habit and you want to stick it between two already established habits. So maybe I get up, I splash water my face, go to the bathroom, come down, have my cup of my coffee, my coffee mindful break. And then I move on to the next part of my day, I start breakfast, whatever that is. So it just becomes part of a habit. We don't need to think about it or, or, you know, remember to do it. It's just what we do. And so when you start to stack these on at, over the course of some weeks, it doesn't feel like you're adding more things to your to-do list. It just becomes part of those habitual daily activities. And then you are stepping out of autopilot on a regular basis. The most powerful combo is to get up and meditate for those one minute, five minutes every morning, and then eventually having your day sprinkled with mindful breaks. So those are examples of breathe breaks. A becoming break, one I'd like to talk about is unmute yourself. Mm -hmm. And this came to me with um, someone I worked with who she, this was pre-COVID and she was still on Zoom, a lot of Zoom meetings, conference calls as part of her job in, in the corporate world. And she, she was frustrated. She wasn't getting the jobs projects she wanted to be working on. And she was talking with a mentor one day who said to her, you know, Beth, you're really smart and you have so many great ideas, but you never speak up in our meetings. People don't know you have these great ideas. And she said, okay, so I'm going to, at least once a meeting, I'm going to press that unmute button. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to contribute in some way. And she said, I was so nervous. My mouth would get dry and I would, um, you know, my heart would pound, but I made myself unmute myself and speak up. 
And over those course of a couple of weeks, she started to notice that people were paying attention, engaging more. And then she was eventually brought onto more projects and given a promotion. And so we talk about with women, you know, we can feel like we're muting ourselves in different scenarios. So sometimes in our personal life, we feel like there might be certain relationships where we're holding back and we're not speaking up and being assertive. So am I doing that? Sometimes it's in the work world or both. So knowing are there times when I'm holding back, I'm editing myself, I'm not being assertive. And can I press that, you know, figurative unmute button and speak up? So that's an example. Yeah. Of being aware and a balance break can be something. uh, One exercise is called life as pie. And so this is something very simple that can take a minute or two. You sit down with a piece of paper and draw two circles next to each other. And the first one is your uh, current pie. So what your priorities are divided up with in your life. So it's hobbies, work, family, other responsibilities, whatever those pieces are. And then the next piece, the next pie is your ideal pie. And so it's what you would ideally love your life to look like within, you know, reasonable circumstances. And then choose what is one small action step I can take toward shifting in that direction. So again, just having awareness, where am I trying to go? What feels more balanced? And then just making it super practical and simple without overwhelming ourselves. What's one small step I can take to get there? I love that. And your book is full of like, how many of those breaks do you have? There's like lots. Yeah, about 50, dozens, dozens <laughs> in each book. Yes, yes. And that's the point. And, and what I love too, is when I talk with women, they'll tell me how they come up with their own mindful breaks too. Because again, at, like you had said, our lives are so unique. Our conditions are unique, everything. And so, and it shifts and changes. We're always evolving, hopefully. So you can pull out and use whatever's needed. So is there anything that you could lead our moms through right now? Absolutely. Let's do a body scan together because often we aren't aware of what's going on in our body unless it's causing us a lot of trouble. You know, it really has to make us sit up and pay attention. So we want to acquaint ourselves a little bit more regularly with what's there already. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you ideally, you can sit up nice and tall, and this is something you could do anywhere, but for these purposes closing your eyes if you're comfortable or just looking down so you're not distracted. And we can begin with our feet. So just noticing any sensations in our feet you might notice. So maybe there's warmth, coolness. You might notice socks, shoes. And with that sense of curiosity, slowly scanning up the legs so we can be aware of the ankles, the lower legs, Maybe there's a bit of achiness. Sometimes we do this and we notice, uh, we don't really notice much of anything. It feels kind of neutral, which is perfectly fine. Noticing the knees, the upper legs. And if we come across any tightness or tension as we do this, we can just let go, release a little bit, those tight muscles. Being aware of the bottom and back hips and pelvic region. Coming back to that back, the lower back, maybe there's contact with the chair. Noticing the middle and upper back. Being aware of the shoulders. So can we let them drop? Almost like they're melting. 
and allowing the arms to hang from the shoulders, being aware of the sensation in the arms, noticing the hands, we soften through the hands. Then coming around to the belly, relaxing this area. Maybe there's fullness, digestion, hunger. And we can also recognize when we relax the belly that there's a natural rising and falling of the breath here. Just being aware of that. Noticing the chest. Sometimes we come across a sense of squeezing or heaviness. Whatever we come across is perfectly fine. No need to change it. We're just noticing. Being aware of the neck and throat, jaw, mouth, cheeks. Noticing the eyes. Maybe there's a heaviness or burning. Being aware of the brow, forehead, scalp. So just taking a moment to briefly scan down the body for a moment. And can you relax? Can you let go a little bit further? Any areas of tightness or tension? If anything grabs your attention, just noticing it and continuing on. And when you're ready, you can open the eyes. So that's a body scan. And super simply, you know, that is something like most of these mindful breaks, you can do it over 20 seconds, or you could stretch that out to 10 minutes if you wanted to lying down. So it is just this ongoing practice of, it's so interesting. I talk about, I, it took me a couple of years of practicing mindfulness before I recognized I once in a while, I'd have this like really sore left calf muscle. And I'd be like, what is going on here? And then I realized it was after I was um, in a really intense couples therapy session, or if I, <laughs> if I had a, something that was stressful going on, I would only tense my left calf. But, you know, it took me years to kind of put that all together. So we know it, it takes a while to, uh, to pay attention. Mm, no, that was really nice. I'm all relaxed. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> All right. Any last advice for the moms listening? Again, just prioritize yourself. Permission. Permission to put yourself on that priority list. If you can't be first, that's fine. But, you know, get up there at least somewhere in the top 10, let's say, and just take five minutes. I don't want to say just. It is super powerful. Experiment with it and, and keep it simple. This is not something else to add to your to-do list, but really it's just a different way of being in your life. Yes. Now this is really good. And the stacking that you're talking about is really helpful Yeah. so that they, you know, that after you wash your face, this is just what you do. Exactly. Right. Where can they get your book? How can they stay in contact with you? Yeah. So my books are anywhere books are sold. And my website is Shonda Morales, S-H-O-N-D-A-M-O-R-A-L-I-S.net. And I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Well, Thank you so much for being here today. It was a real pleasure to meet you and you have such great things for moms out there. Oh, thank you, Colleen. It was wonderful.
And I would say, moms, this book is really great because you can just flip through it and find a mindful break. And it's very creative. It's not like it's going to take you forever to read it. So you can just go in and get what you need. And it's really helpful. Exactly. It's designed to be able to just be picked up and, you know, a few pages at a time. So it's definitely meant to be in short bits. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which I'm sure was intentional. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Colleen. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms and Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.